Christy Swanson. I am so sure. Donald Sutherland. Ah, ah. Paul Rubens. Ah. With Rutger Hauer and Luke Perry. Buffy, you're not like other girls. Oh. Yes, I am. Buffy, the vampire slayer. You didn't even break a nail. Like, for real, don't make me break a nail, okay? Okay. Please don't do that again. <laughs> okay? Like, just don't do that again. All right. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode uh, of the Forever Fangirls podcast. We are not in in the valley. <laughs> I am Sheila Amato, and along with my wife, Kimberly, we're your, your hosts. And if I can get through this, this will be great. But we are very glad you can join us. Yeah, and we wanted to keep the theme of strong female-led characters for the month. And considering my wife has not seen the movie that inspired the brilliant series, Mm -hmm. it was time to cover Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The movie. The movie. The the movie. 1992. And another Nostalgia versus Novelty episode was born. Hmm. Our standard spoiler alert is in effect here as we will be talking about specific plot points and themes. So if you're like me and you haven't seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer yet, you will be spoiled. <laughs> Why are you playing that music? I don't know. I miss our banter music, so I figured I'd put the 80s loop on. Yes, but this movie was released in 1992? Yeah, and? All right. I don't have a song from the 90s. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, like right, a- all right, 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 right. Anyway, so the the movie facts that we're going to be talking about, just so you know, the budget at the time, granted, again, this is all at the time of release, so I'm not adjusting anything for inflation. Budget was around $7 million. Their opening weekend, they did about four point five. An all-time theatrical release, my understanding, these numbers are from the full theatrical run, mm-hmm. was $14.2 million. So even though it has been... I guess listed as a failure, it really kind of wasn't. Because it made its budget back. It doubled its budget, technically. Mm-hmm. But here's some really cool trivia, some of the things I didn't know. Sand Dollar Productions actually financed the film, and the company is co-founded by Dolly Parton. Woo-hoo. I knew Dolly Parton was part of the series. I didn't know Dolly Parton was part of the film. Oh, I love Dolly Parton. Um, you actually pointed out Ben Affleck mm-hmm. was one of the rival basketball players. He yeah, was I was number like, 10. wait, what? Yeah, I didn't I didn't even notice. Uh, there's a ton of cameos. I noticed Ricky Lake. Uh, she portrayed just a waitress. But Slash from Guns N' Roses uh, is the human DJ, and Alexis Arquette was the vampire DJ. Oh. Um, and apparently, something I also didn't know, I knew he wasn't happy with it, but um, I didn't know how far he wasn't happy with it. And apparently, Joss Whedon, who wrote the script, later said he you know, really wasn't happy with it, that... Buffy wasn't quite there yet. So that it was like, it was the beginning. That's why he created the TV series. Yeah, I mean, we'll go into that a little bit, but I did find a website that had a bunch of listings of other trivia, so it's going to be in the show notes page to give all of you that information. Cool. Is there anything else you wanted to add to the trivia movie notes? Uh, No, I've never seen the movie, so (laughs) no, I don't have any trivia. This is true, so why am I asking you for trivia movie notes? Um, I'm just going to preface this that I did see this in movie theaters. In 1992. (laughs) Don't laugh at me. I am not laughing at you. I was still a youngin, like really youngin. Yeah. Um, Well, not really, really. You get the point. I was a youngin. (laughs) 
But I'm going to give you the short and sweet tagline from IMDb. And it simply says, flighty teenage girl Buffy Summers learns that she is her generation's destined battler of vampires. Okay. Boy, that could sell a film. (laughs) So apparently there is a great summary by Vampire Shooter on IMDb. And so uh, I will read that to give a little bit more depth here. So Buffy Summers has the lifestyle any young woman could want. Cheerleading, dating the captain of the basketball team, and copious amounts of time spent shopping with friends. She had no idea of her true calling until a mysterious man named Merrick approached her and told her that she is the Slayer, one woman called to defend the world from vampires. Reluctant to concede the fact, Buffy soon learns that Merrick speaks the truth and so begins to take her new life seriously while trying to maintain the sense of normality her life had once been. With her best friend slowly abandoning her, Buffy finds solace in the town outcast, Pike, who, who knows very well the terrors that have arisen. Together, they combat the forces of the old and powerful vampire Lothos, who has his eyes set on Buffy. This is an emergency? Quack it. All right, so I guess I'm going to go into my novelty thoughts, yes? Should I just get ready with sound effects? Um, If you want to. (laughs) All right. Let me just come out and say this, okay? It was a terrible movie. (laughs) You already did that? Did you do that, really? (laughs) I know it was supposed to be funny and campy and silly, but this movie didn't really age well. And I was finding myself cringing, cringing, eh, eh, cringing. Now, my, my wife is giving me the side eye. I have, I, I. All right, let me get through my points. I'm just going to have can... to just, there's a record scratch there because okay. I, I think, I think you're coming from a different, I mean, obviously nostalgia versus novelty, you're coming from a different perspective. Of course. But I think that the film needs to be taken in context of certain things. All right, well. The one thing that was throwing me off is that the dialogue really left a lot to be desired. Oh, the dialogue is horrible. <laughs> um, there were a lot of jumpy cut edits that mm. kind of got me lost because I'm like, wait, what happened? Um, there's a specific scene where I'm like, all right, Pike mm-hmm. crashed his van. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, he's working with some shady guy with a motorcycle. And I'm like, wait, what I actually have the motorcycle written down as, as one of my points as well. It kind of didn't sit. Oh, okay. Um, you actually turned around and you're like, wait a minute. He's been attacked by vampires like three times and he's still running around at night? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was smart enough not to let his best friend in because he was floating outside of his window. So I'll, I'll give him props for that. You know what's really funny as a tangent of that? Because of when I saw this, my bedroom's on the second floor. <laughs> I used to not want to go near the window for a bit. Oh, my goodness. Just because, you know. Well, I will say this, though, okay? I did love seeing Luke Perry, Donald Sutherland, Hillary Swank even. I was like, wait, Hillary Swank? Yeah, that I didn't remember at all. Um, David Arquette, who played the best friend, and some other cameos that, that you mentioned earlier. And, you know, for me, it made sense that Luke Perry was in this film, because I think that this was, you know, he was the draw because of the height of Beverly Hills 90210, which I did watch when I was younger. Yeah, I believe it was 
that the the trailer said it was with Luke Perry. Yes, with and with he, uh, who was that guy? The guy that played Lothos. Lothos. It was the Rutger the, Hauer. Yeah. I believe it was because, really and truly, Luke Perry was a draw. I don't remember knowing Kirsty Swanson before then. Mm. Yeah. Um, it was actually really interesting to see Kirsty Swanson in this, because then I I kind of saw why Sarah Michelle Gellar was cast for the TV series, because they had some <laughs> physical similarities. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that. Okay. Okay? But aside from that... I now know the reference of your. <laughs> okay, I think I think our listening audience needs a little bit of backstory for that. Mm-hmm. I have done that since, since I've seen the movie, and since I've met you. Well, but so, I'm saying yeah. since I've yeah, yeah, yeah. seen the movie, it was just a running gag that has kind of stuck to when anybody says like a comment or like. You or know, like if I've crushed your your crushed expect- my little heart, <laughs> your expectations. You just go. Oh, and I, I look at you like, what, what are, are you, you doing? doing? But now I can just do the same thing to you when you do something like that to yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, I love you. I don't think it would have the same effect, though, because I know you don't like the movie. So I'll just turn around and be like, oh, oh, so it's good enough for, for you to use, but not good enough to, you know, give a little bit of props for making that happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but... Aside from that, even though I didn't finish the Buffy TV series, I what I, season are you on? Do you remember? I'm I, on I've, two, I think. Okay, so or we, three. I started three. We might have to start from the beginning. We might have to, and you know what? It's okay. Um, I can see why the we did the TV series because I I have to say I do enjoy the TV series more than I did the movie. So well, the series. And I think just by, and you and I have had this conversation before about films that might do better as like a limited series or, or right, the like, because, because it more has time. more time to space it out and really develop the character and the lore. And in this case with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it it really has a rich lore that they couldn't go into. And again, remember the time frame. I understand. And that's why I was like, ah, uh, you know, Buffy just trusted Merrick like almost instantaneously Mm -hmm. that would never happen right well in reality (laughs) but the the thing is even in the movie sense right there wasn't enough time to develop the characters for me to actually have any kind of uh connection to this is where i bring in the nostalgia part Mm. i'm not connected to any of the characters i don't care about any of them really yeah i don't i i don't okay and the whole reason I still think it's campy and it's funny and it's stupid and it's silly and it's everything I remember it to be. Mm-hmm. I literally went in there like I do horror films. I don't care about the people. I just want to be entertained and laugh. And I found myself still sitting on the couch laughing. Why? <laughs> because I didn't take it seriously. Okay. When I watched the series... I have the gamut of emotions and the connection. And if you go back and and listen to, and I'll even link it in the show notes, we re-aired it recently, our Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode, where Mm -hmm. we we spoke about the shot felt round the world. Mm -hmm. That really hit me very, very hard. Yes, I I haven't gotten to that episode. No, you haven't. But we were sitting in, we were... Uh, I was staying with you while I went to get my graduate degree and that episode aired mm-hmm. and you I heard remember. me scream in the other room because it was just such a jarring, painful action. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and considering that we live through Xena and the barrier gauge and all of that stuff, uh, neither here nor there. Again, I don't want to go too too deep into it. But the point is the series, I got so connected to the characters because there was so much time spent with them and so much development and so much emotion put into them that you got out of it. And then the performances were on. That's a whole other kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. I don't, where did that phrase come from, kettle of fish? I, I don't know. If somebody knows, let me know. But the thing is, even in a movie setting, there is a way to do things where maybe not as invested with the characters, but at least you can buy what they're selling you. This is why I say, and I'll, I'll go back to my own, you looked at it very differently than I did. And I don't mean just nostalgia versus novelty. I think you took it for face value and you were taking it because you had seen some of the series. Mm. Whereas I saw this before the series. Mm -hmm. So I think there's going to be a a huge disparity because at the time I watched this movie, I didn't have the Sarah Michelle Gellar. So this is all I could go off of. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go in there with any expectation or any understanding of what Buffy the Vampire Slayer is. You're going in there with somewhat of a hint of an excellent, it's it's like going from really good chocolate to like really garbage chocolate. See, I thought you were going to say, you know, like driving a Porsche versus going back to driving a little Toyota Corolla. Okay. I love my Honda and a Porsche I can't fit into. <laughs> so, I mean, No. No. So let me ask you this question then. Back, do you remember when this first came out, if there was any kind of hype around it? Or were they just. I saw it with. I remember going to the movies because we had a a group of girls that we all lived in in like blocks away and we would all go to the movie theater. Mm -hmm. And so I remember seeing it with all of them in the theater and we just laughed at it. It was just a silly. Because. You know, and I'll I'll reference it again later in my closing, but this really was a very different film for us at the time Mm -hmm. because I'm accustomed to seeing films that don't develop women that basically had women scantily clad or they were the love interest or they were supporting and uh, everything that we're still struggling with today, but now ramp it up back then and then ramp it up even further Mm -hmm. for older films than that. Like you want me to see The Sound of Music. Well, that's different. Are we sure? Is there development? Was there any time for oh, it? Oh, yeah. My point is, I think every, <laughs> upon every generation, <laughs> I think every generation of film, we do need to sometimes take a look back as to where it came from to understand why it was released that way or why dialogue was a certain way and take that into context. It doesn't necessarily make it right or wrong. It mm-hmm. just we need to take it in context of when something was released, published, posted, whatever. And I tried to do that. It's just that when it's just the way I received the film. That's yeah, but you're again, you're also seeing it now. So I mm-hmm. don't think in your case, and it's it's not a dig at you. Please don't take what I'm saying as you don't have valid points. You very much well do. I'm no, just saying I I'm, think I'm just saying that it's this is how I received the film. Yeah, I think this film is one of those that if you experienced it, you're fine. But going back watching it, for me, it was the same. But for somebody watching it in today's day and age, especially if they'd seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the the good Slayer, mm-hmm. uh, there's a problem. Um, going back to the comparison of Buffy's, I absolutely, unequivocally, never liked Christy Swanson as Buffy. I found her flighty. I found her annoying. I but found that's her character. No, uh, 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 no. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Flighty, annoying, silly, but felt real. I just never liked 
her as Buffy. And I, I can't explain why. I, I just It just never felt real. That's interesting. I mean, that could be the fact that it is in a hour and a half movie rather than a series. It could also be the script because even uh, Joss said uh-huh. that he thought Buffy was a beginning. But I also go back to the time it came out. It the Women needed to be like that. So for me, that was an important little tidbit to bring in as, as to why this is the beginning, but it isn't Buffy to me. Right. So when Buffy the series came on... Mm-hmm. Was it the fact that it was the idea that got you interested in seeing the series? Yeah, the idea got me in the door with the series. Okay. But the writing and the performances kept me there. Okay. Going into um, a little personal nostalgia point, seeing Luke Perry on film, Mm -hmm. totally remember why I had such a crush on him. I know. That bad boy... James Dean look. Mm-hmm. He was so cute. Um, it was between him and Jason Priestley in 90210. You know, okay. Don't but, laugh at me. I had a Jason Priestley doll. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. I had a Jason Priestley doll. I, I wasn't allowed to have the bad boy doll. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I had the good boy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. But Jason Priestley got to hang out with my Donnie Wahlberg doll. Mm, okay. So at least I had my bad boy somewhere. All right. Yes, I had dolls. Um, the tidbits that still bothered me, like even thinking about it now after seeing it again, you know, he's hanging out at night after all the vampires are going on. He has a motorcycle out of nowhere, but he's complaining he has no money. Uh-huh. Um, crashes the van that he literally said, I'm saving up money to get out of town when I fix the van. And then David Arquette goes, take me with you. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, he's got a gorgeous motorcycle mm-hmm. that looks like not dented, not whatever. And yet the van had like different colored doors. Yeah. So that made no sense. Continuity issues. And just to reiterate my point, because I actually wrote it here, quote, Buffy was more annoying than I remember. And in my <sighs> humble opinion, Sarah Michelle Geller is the perfect slayer. Okay. All right. And I do have to agree with you. The The jump cuts... I don't remember being that jumpy, but again, at the time, maybe other films were like that. Uh, technology has changed, so you've got different types of uh, transition shots and transition all that. shots and and uh, equipment mm-hmm. that will allow you to maneuver and move the cameras differently. So I don't know if that came into play, but yeah, some of them were like, "Whoa, hi, what are we doing now?" Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I never noticed those little things before. The music, though. Mm-hmm. There is something about 80s and 90s movies for my nostalgic heart that never fail to make me just love the moment they're in. And again, I can just close my eyes and listen to the song because if the movie's horrible or it like doesn't, my nostalgia doesn't click, Mm -hmm. the song will make me immediately be like that kid again. What's funny is that I only know like one or two songs from that movie. You Mm -hmm. were like all all up in it and i'm like all right well you are the human jukebox i am but you also turned around at the end and i was like oh my god it's Susanna hoffs and and i was like you know of the bangles (laughs) you just gave me this weird look and then at the very end her name starts scrolling up i'm like it's yeah and i walk away at that point it's all good yeah i it's just i love the the music from those films and again it just brings me back to my childhood Mm -hmm. which it's just good music good music does that of course okay and i have one final kind of point that's slightly tangential, um, and I would really love your opinion on it. Okay. When I was growing up, 
we've we've discussed this how women in the films and TV, you know, you had your Charlie's Angels, you had your um, Bionic Woman, you had Wonder Woman, you had like family ties and all this other stuff, but you had no real strong female characters that weren't portrayed in this overly sexy way, I guess, where, yeah, they're strong, but there's always men without the men. They go nowhere. Okay. And this seemed to me like, even though Pike and Merrick helped Buffy along the way, it never felt like they were the reason, you know, behind her transformation or that they were her savior. You know, it it, it seemed like she accepted her destiny because it was within her And unlike how female leads, like I said, have been portrayed, even now, Wonder Woman movies, looking at you. (laughs) It it never seemed like either male in the film was the reason she accepted that strength. She chose it. And because she chose it, it felt like that was groundbreaking enough to lead to the series. And that series was so groundbreaking that it led to the Winona Earps, the Orphan Blacks, you know, the possibility mm. of a Captain Marvel and um, all these other female-led films and, and and really strong female characters. And as a kid, you know, that just made me feel like, hey, yeah, silly, stupid, campy, whatever, but women can do anything. And before you mention 9 to 5, because we have done a Nostalgia versus Novelty for 95, mm-hmm. 9 to 5, that was different to me. Those were older women in careers, more the generation above me. This was the first time I had seen someone in in my age bracket standing up for themselves. It felt like, here's a girl, life is totally changing upon her, and she's accepting it, and she's going to thrive, and she's going to be powerful and strong and do it on her own terms. You know, I didn't actually pick up on that when watching the film, maybe because I was just so distracted by the dialogue. But that said, I actually see your point there, and... It is a really powerful message that Merrick and Pike are basically her supporting cast. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's actually a very valid point. And it was, it's really sad, though, that a movie that I was not connected to, that's why I say I was connected to the idea. Mm-hmm. The idea of being a strong woman, accepting where you are, accepting that life changes and that it's not perfect and that you're going to have things thrust upon you whether you like it or not mm-hmm. and you can handle it on your own you don't need someone else to do it that was new yeah that was really very different for me especially of a teenager it wasn't a teenager rebelling it was a teenager accepting and and fighting and doing what needs to be done it's very different and the fact that she's the only one who can actually do that if she's in that bloodline yeah yeah um, transitioning a little bit, instead of doing the cute, which I know you do have one here, I want to add a little section in of the sad. Mm. You know, seeing Luke Perry, Paul Rubens, uh, Rudger Hauer on screen, knowing they're no longer with us. You know, I actually didn't realize that Paul Rubens had passed away. Really? Yeah, I'm like, whoa, wait. I remember Luke Perry because we were on a cruise, mm-hmm. and you read that, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, that that hit weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even know at the time of, of watching this film the first time and the second that Alexis Arquette was in it, but I know that, that they had passed as well. Mm. Um, after the film, I had, I had a moment where I was like, this is weird. My childhood is passing away. Mm. And it was just a moment of realization mm-hmm. and acceptance of time and mortality. 
But it was really sad to see because when when Luke Perry first appears on appears screen. on screen, you're just like, wow, he's gone, and it's weird. Yeah, it's very weird because obviously films that we've seen that are really old films. I say really old, but you know they're classic films. We know the casts are no longer here, right? But, but it's it, different. It's different because it doesn't connect to to me. I never watched them live, mm-hmm. and so it's very very weird yeah. to see that. Yep. I agree. So I have uh, just one little cute here. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that I was laughing out loud at the scene where Paul Rubin's character was going. (laughs) So So at least you're laughing at something in this movie. Yeah, I was. If I didn't love you. But you do. I do very, very much. So I guess that's our discussion of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, eh? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Now it's time for our Forever Fangirls rating. Drum roll, please. So for the novelty rating, I give it a 2.5. And again, the biggest reason for this lower rating is that, to me, it really didn't age well. Um, I can see how this movie broke the mold to open the door for other strong female characters, like Kimmy mentioned. And there are also some funny moments, and based on the cast, it was actually pretty A-list type cast there. But the jumpy cuts and the terrible dialogue just pulled this movie down for me, and I, I, I just I can't rate it any higher. Sorry. Really? Listen, y'all. Now it's my turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Tavia, for that. I'm going to give the nostalgia rating a three. And I know it's not much higher than yours, but it's, wow. a, it's a three. Okay. Is the film perfect? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. But again, I keep going back to, I think the film needs to be looked at in a different way from other films we've reviewed in the past. Mm. You know, we need to look at the reference points in the late 80s, early 90s, how women were portrayed, portrayed on screen, the expectations of these films. Impactful films might not have had the best ratings or even the best stories. You know, sometimes the one that breaks the mold is by far the least likable, mm. but it has a legacy. And and that to me is what matters. People will remember Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, because it was the beginning. Okay. It's where we started. Sure, the cast might be at odds, with me in the political realm right now. And I do need to bring that up (laughs) as a little, uh, you know. But that doesn't tarnish what the film did for a small kid struggling with her self-confidence and self-loathing that she was different from everyone around her. So for me, the film is a stepping stone, you know, to choosing who you are, regardless of the shame others might thrust upon you. The same shame and hatred that is still being hurled at us to this day, like small little stakes to the heart. But like the character Amelin, I won't go quietly. Oh, that's terrible. That is, but... So that is going to be our show for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to our review of Buffy the Vampire Slayer 1992, the film. The film? <laughs> the film. <laughs> boom boom I should have just done the sound effect. Why did I do that? I don't know. 
Anyway, if you would like to reach out to us here at the Forever Fangirls podcast, we have several ways you can do that. You can go to our website, foreverfangirls.com. You'll find links to our Discord community, social media, contact form, easy access to subscribe on wherever you want to listen to podcasts and our past episodes. And I just have to say, even though we disagree, I still love you. I would hope so. We're married. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Anyway, uh, until next time, stay safe, be kind. And remember, Buffy was different. She marched to the beat of her own drum, and that was her greatest strength. As was her early alert system, a.k.a. PMS. Ow. (laughs) Point is, being different is not a bad thing. It's a bad ass thing.